I guess I was wondering there, Waka, do you still like salt and vinegar chips? Yo, this guy's crazy. How you know that, man? I love them. That's my favorite chips. Good morning, Sweet World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Sunday, 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 August 23rd. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us here, as always, we got Tass Mellis. Happy Sunday, everybody. Happy Sunday, Tass. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Ayo! Ayo! And last but not least, making the magic happen today, J.D. Hello! There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube. Guys, keep your questions and your comments coming for this week's now Beach Steppin' Podcast. A little later this week, email them in, nodunks at theathletic.com. Tweet them in at nodunksink. No international man of mystery today. Uh, word is that Lee threw a stone so hard last night that it's still skipping across the water and he's got to watch it. So, no Lee here on a Sunday. He should be back tomorrow, though. We're going to get into all four games from yesterday. But first, big news. Guys, the NBA playoffs have officially started. Yes, we got our first wedgie, guys. We finally popped one. Oh, yeah. Oh, feels good. Feels good. Feels real good. Feels real good to throw up that wedgie graphic. Uh, Wedgie number 40. Overlays are back. Yes, wedgie number 40. Uh, It was the Pacers heat game. Tyler Hero, uh, he will be our hero here. The rare layup wedgie tasks. Those are pretty, you don't see a lot of those ones. uh, Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. If I had the guts, I would go back and look at every single wedgie in the history of the NBA and see how many layup wedgies there were. Well, not in the history of the NBA. <laughs> since, since we started tracking them back in 1415, uh, I believe, was our first year. But that being said, this is wedgie number 40. Mm-hmm. Our lowest wedgie total in the modern era is 40 okay. back in 1718. So this at least tied it. At least. At least we don't have the lowest wedgie total, despite having the fewest number of games because right. of the hiatus. So wedgies per game, definitely up higher than 17-18. And we'll probably we'll surpass it, I'm sure, when it comes to uh, the rest of the playoffs. We've still got a nice 60 games here to get one more wedge. Oh, jeez. One more? Man, we need 10 more to get to 50 still. <laughs> I, I'm still holding out hope. Uh, by the way, too, yeah, much love to uh, TNT's Brian Anderson. Um, you know, recognizing uh, us, I guess, in a way, with the wedgie. But he gave us a shout-out to the starters. I mean, this is a... We've, we've done a poor job rebranding that we're the No Dunks crew now. <laughs> when a wedgie happens, it's tough. They just go to the starters. Uh, come on. Look come on the on, bright bro. side. Look on the Mr. Bright side, though, okay. Skeets. Maybe the starters uh, happens to prevail in people's minds. It lives on in people's minds forever. Sure. So B.A. still calls us the starters. I also added him yesterday when we almost had a wedgie. He said we, he got or the ball was in the neck, as he likes to mm. call it. So uh, I was... Sort of fresh on his brain, I guess, as a member of the starters. Right. And not No Dunks. He doesn't listen to No Dunks. Well, but he I watches mean, the starters occasionally. That's what I'm saying, Tass. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Again, he, he knows that we are the Wedgie Masters, but uh, give us the No Dunk show. We could use the bump, man, in terms of numbers. Come on, help us out there on the <laughs> We need TNT that Brian podcast. bump. <laughs> yeah. Hook us up, buddy. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's great. We got 40 Wedgies, 10 to go. Will we do it? Probably not. But let's get into the games. Uh, we'll start in the Western Conference here today. LeBron, Anthony Davis, they power the Lakers past the Blazers for the 2-1 lead. Final score was 116-108, so L.A. up two games to one. Tass, uh, I got a feeling where you're going to go with this, but what's your biggest takeaway? 
Libro. Yeah, LeBron James <laughs> is alive. Uh, why did LeBron have his first big game of the playoffs? I think for a couple of reasons. First, I think him and Anthony Davis are going to take turns. Him, it's like him and D Wade, him and Kyrie. Anthony Davis had his monster in game two. Well, now it's LeBron's turn. I would say that's probably like 50% of the reason. Another okay. 25% of the reason is they're just learning where their shots are coming from. Uh, everybody is a lot more comfortable. And I think uh, the other 25% of the reason is that, um, you know, LeBron James just <laughs> wanted to play in this game because he saw Kawhi Leonard in game three destroy the Mavs. And so he said, uh, all right, all right, all right. We'll see you in the conference finals. Kawhi, you played like the best player in the league. It's time for me to respond. But I think the entire L.A. roster is they're right they are looking forward a little bit they did take game one a little bit easy as anthony davis said they've been playing about the blazers like every game is a game seven huge diss huge diss to the to the portland Trail Blazers because yeah i think the lakers have taken it a little bit easy and, and lebron is was trying to find out where his shots were coming from and uh he's saving all his jumps uh, and in all his drives you know, he's he's rationing these things uh, because he knows he's going to be around uh, for a couple months. So that's why we got his big game one. And um, yeah, he looked fantastic. I thought there was another reason too, if I'm being honest. Um, I looked it up during the game last night because I was curious. He finished with 38 points, 12 boards, 8 assists. But Kobe would have been 42 today. You know, rest in peace to the Mamba. I looked it up. I was like, what's Kobe's playoff high? What is it? Um, actually, it was shockingly, it's only 50. Only 50. Um, but for Kobe, it came in an overtime loss to the Suns in 06. And I was like, LeBron. Oh, LeBron. You just would go and try and like put up the perfect, either like the 42 for Kobe's birthday, 50 to match his playoff high, something along those crazy lines. <laughs> I wouldn't put that past a guy like LeBron James. But of course, he came up short in this, still in a dominant game. But that was, I'd throw a 1% on that, Tass. And it was a bit of a, a Mamba, maybe sort of tribute. Uh, with them rocking those purple jerseys. What percentage but, uh, are you giving it that LeBron only scored 10 points in game two, so he needed to come out and score a bunch more points to get his series average up? You know, he was mm. 10, like one of his uh, lowest scoring games in the his playoff career. True. So he comes out, he's like, I got to do 38 here. But it was impressive. It was a real tale of two halves, right? Anthony Davis couldn't get it going in the first half. So LeBron put the team on his back, 22 in the second half. LeBron comes out. He's looking good in the third quarter, but then Anthony Davis finally gets it going. 23 in the second half for Anthony Davis. Um, when those two are engaged and wanting to be the two best players on the court, the Lakers look like the Lakers again. Yeah, yeah. it was, uh, you know, Portland was down like three points with like nine and a half minutes to go. 80 comes back in, like you said, Trey. And then it felt like he scored on an alley-oop or like a pick-and-pop jumper uh, for like the next like 10 possessions. And, oh, you yeah. Know, he had 12 in the final quarter. Look, I mean, the Blazers... They look tired. They do. They're especially their bigs. I mean, Nurkic especially, I thought, had a brutal game. And at, in a way, you sort of almost got to live with the pick and pop from AD. He hadn't been able to hit a shot the entire bubble, but he found his groove, as he said, in the second half. I mean, it was like he was splashing those. And, you know, they were easy. He can hit them, but he hadn't been hitting them. But what are you going to do if you're the Blazers? Because <laughs> otherwise, you can just take Nurk off the dribble. Um, uh, this is what we worried with the series, right? Well, who's going to stop LeBron and AD? And are the Blazers gassed because they've played, you know, nine playoff games already? Yeah, you know, this is how it's now sort of appearing to go. And yeah, the Lakers' defense is also pretty dominant as well. 
Yeah, I just think more so than the Blazers being tired in that they had three months off and, and that's this built-in excuse. I'm not really buying. Yeah, they played hard for eight games uh, and, and then going into the playoffs here where we don't have back-to-backs, maybe they're a little emotionally drained, but I'm not buying that they're physically tired. They definitely have to play their best players more. The, there's yeah. no choice. They're, they're top-heavy in the, in the rotation. Four players on their roster played all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter, four of their starters, you know, the the big boys, the big names there on their team. Sure, that that makes total sense. And that's why LeBron, or I'm sorry, Anthony Davis said they're treating every game like a game seven. Yeah, they got to win. I, I think the big factor is that the Lakers kind of cruised through the eight games and they haven't been hitting their stride as Anthony Davis couldn't hit a shot. He was three of 25 from mid-range in the seeding games. And then in that second half, yeah, he hit six in one freaking half of basketball. <laughs> they, they, they learned... Uh, where the shots coming from, they're feeling better. And yeah, it was 1-1. And yeah, I think like Kawhi in that map series, they don't want to go down 2-1. And they felt no. it out for the first couple games. And uh, yeah, they, they they hammered it. And I, and I think it is a, a case of a 1-2. Of a we can be the best twosome in basketball with Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James. And they felt it out. Anthony Davis kicked ass in game two. And then uh, it was LeBron's in game three. But it, it's like, it's an entire... Uh, team effort, though the way they're hitting the glass, uh, it, it's it's dominating the Blazers. It's really hurting them. It, it's uh, it's strange to say that in today's NBA that the offensive rebounds and, and the size was a big factor, but the Lakers are are out bigging the big team in the Blazers. They're just they're playing bigger. They've had 42 more shots in this series because they get on the glass on the offensive end three times in this series. All three games they've had double digit offensive rebounds, 17, 14, and 12, and that's. That's hurting big time. Well, let's talk about the free throw discrepancy. I'll do it. I'll bring it up. I don't want to, but I got to, uh, especially for the Blazers fans out there. The Lakers made 28 of 43 free throws, just 65%. I think that's the real reason Lee didn't want to jump on the podcast today. He was disgusted <laughs> by the Lakers' free throw shooting performance in Game 3. But the Blazers only went to the line 19 times. They hit 18 and 19, so that's nice, 95%. But LeBron and AD combined to make more free throws than the entire Portland team. It's a big, it's a big discrepancy, no doubt. Now, you, if you watch the game, there's no doubt LeBron and AD are being much more aggressive than a lot of the Blazers. But uh, Trey, do you think some Blazers fans have a right to be upset with this? Like, what's going on with this? This is crazy. Like, Stotts even like was like, "Wow, I've never seen that in the first half. That was a huge gap." What do you think? They have a right to to be upset. It's the playoffs, and if the Lakers are getting all the calls and you're the Blazers, of course you're going to be mad. But like Tass is saying, the Lakers are taking a whole bunch of shots inside, and the Blazers are looking a little bit tired, which is a recipe for picking up fouls. Uh, The Lakers are beating up the glass offensively, and a lot of times on an offensive rebound, you're right next to the rim, so it's pretty easy to get fouled again after that. To me, you just look at the shot charts for Davis and LeBron. You see a whole bunch of of X's and O's right next to the rim. So you know that they're not just taking shots and not getting fouled inside. I mean, the discrepancy is huge, but that's the difference of a perimeter-based team and an interior-based team. The Lakers are built to to draw more fouls than the Blazers are, so they are. And it, it is kind of strange that they started Yusuf Nurkic and Hassan Whiteside in this game. And still, that was the case. They're getting beat up. Uh, that's obviously what they were trying to take away was the offensive glass but, yeah, they are playing more aggressive, and yeah. there's no doubt. And Yusuf Nurkic, uh, yeah, he had an, a very average game for Yusuf Nurkic. He is coming back from that leg injury. That, I think, is a fair excuse that he is 
he's laboring um, yeah. be- because he's playing so much coming off that injury. Uh, it was funny watching this because we always, or no, not we, but you hear people when LeBron has a bad game or he seems like a little mentally checked out or he's just settling for the jumper or three, you always get the thing where people are like, LeBron, why don't you just drive every time? Why don't you just go to the rim every time? Because you could, and you'll either get to the free throw line or you'll just finish. And it's like, that's sort of what it felt like he was just doing last night. He's like, okay, I'll just go to the, I'll go to the rim every single time, and I'll either get fouled because I'm a giant, and they're just, they can't really slow me down, or I'll just score. And uh, yeah, that's a big reason why of this free throw discrepancy, no doubt. And like, they're bigs, you guys said it. The LA bigs, they're athletic. They're fairly rested because they didn't take those seeding games all that seriously. And the minutes were good. You know, they've been spread out over all their bigs. And they were attacking. Whereas the Blazers' bigs are tired, especially Nurk, through no fault of his own. And they're slower. And they're just finessing shots around the rim a lot more than I think some of the Lakers guys driving through traffic. Which, again, you don't want to see the discrepancy that big. But if you watch the game, you know, I didn't see a ton of like, what? That was a brutal call. Again, again. I really didn't. I mean, it was just they were more the more aggressive team, the Lakers. Sorry, Blazers fans. I think that's just the, the way it was in Game 3. Though I love what we're hearing from the Blazers after this game. They're not like, woe is me, we're done. They're like, it's 2-1. All we got to do now is we, we got to win Game 4 and it's a best of 3. Like Lillard said this, Melo said this. They, they almost were like that air of like, we got them right where we want them. <laughs> Which is like, I mean, some confidence right there. But again, just uh, backs up my theory that... Lillard knows how this ends because uh, he's Dr. Uh, Doctor Strange. But Mello, the Mello run was fun. Anything to add to that when he caught fire there for uh, for a good chunk of the third quarter? I was loving it. That yeah. third quarter, it was uh, Mello just getting buckets every way that you expect Mello to. You start thinking, is this enough? Is Mello going to be on fire enough here in the second half uh, to pull the Blazers to a victory? It wasn't meant to be, but... He was giving an incredible effort, you know. He was uh, he was playing pretty solid defense, especially for Melo, and then getting his mid-range on. It was fun to watch. It was a throwback to 2012. I was loving it. Yeah, it was uh, the most combined points ever in a game between two competitors, uh, most career points with LeBron and, and Carmelo Anthony, uh, this series, I guess I should say, that they've scored the most career points of two guys on opposite teams ever. It's just that's just never 60,000 plus right wow good yeah. yeah good numbers no I no idea what the numbers yeah the, nice graphic there 60k <laughs> those two dudes going at it and yeah uh it's never a great sign of Melo's taking over your offense but hey for one game it was uh yeah it, it was fun to watch I think we would all be talking about uh LeBron and AD missing their free throws yeah if, if they lost games because it was weird seeing seeing them clank again they did in the fourth quarter in in game one and then in this one as well anthony davis seven of 14 and, and lebron with eight turnovers 12 of 17 from the free throw line but it just shows those two dudes can do what they want on the floor i, I don't think you can really gripe about the the foul calls when those two dudes are just they're bigger and they can handle and the the bigs on the Blazers can't do what they can do. It's just, it's, they are the two best players when they want to be. And everybody knows their roles now on the Lakers. I found one of the most hilarious possessions were, was LeBron and AD in the front court. And they just hung out while the Blazers went to go score. And it was Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, and KCP. Uh, They're playing a defensive possession. It was like three on three. And, they AD and LeBron just hung out in the front court and like you guys handle it. It was just a long possession where they didn't come back. Then the Blazers get an offensive rebound and 
the Lakers, uh, AD and LeBron are like, oh yeah, I guess we should come back. LeBron <laughs> no. was the only LeBron was the only one who came back, got a rebound, then threw it up to uh, Cherry Pick and AD. They just everybody knows those two dudes when they want, we're gonna score and take over. Everybody else, scrap your ass off, and yeah. that's how we're gonna get to the NBA Finals. So they're they're ready. They're they're ready to do their thing. Just don't pass the ball to Danny Green. It just seems like they're never passing to Danny Green, even though he hit a couple threes in this one. He is the fifth option with a bullet whenever he's on the floor. <laughs> they're they're not passing to the dude. He can't which, hit a shot to save his life right now. I know. They're, they're not even really close. But this is what, you know, again, this is what happens with Danny Green. He'll catch yep, fire eventually. He he'll, he'll pop Yeah, you want him to be missing in round one, not in the finals. Yeah. But, I mean, what? They got two threes from Danny Green, three from KCP. There was a little KCP run yeah. and one from Alex Caruso. If you're getting six threes from your backcourt for the Lakers, I don't care really how many other ones they're missing. Six threes is a lot from those three guys at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There was that, um, you just reminded me, Tess, because it wasn't that there was that clip where Jeff Van Gundy was going crazy that the Lakers weren't getting back on defense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just going bonkers. Like, he was like, what are you doing? But I don't know why he failed to point out, like, the two Blazers guys were not getting <laughs> back on offense. It was mm-hmm. like, Whiteside was like, still, it was like, we're just not going to go down there. It was like pickup ball. It was like a couple guys have just decided, eh. We're not yeah, running you, this one. You guys just play three on three for a second. We'll just wait <laughs> down here. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, you could also be getting mad at a couple of the Blazers for not getting... One of them, I think it was Nurk or Whiteside, eventually made their way down there. Mm-hmm. And they still didn't score. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, and you mentioned the, the guard play of getting enough threes from those Lakers guards. Rajon Rondo sitting uh, on the sideline, apparently had back spasms. He has the thumb injury, but that's, that's healed. And now... Uh, back spasms held him out. I would just be worried, I think, you know, if you're thinking about the Clippers, the Clippers are at least pretty whole, uh, you know, other than Patrick Beverly. I would just be worried if you're going to bring Rajon Rondo back in round two and round three and just mess with the chemistry. Like, get him back now. If I was if I was Frank Vogel and he's healthy, obviously, he, I guess he wasn't, but I would just rather get him back now because that's just another little thing they got to work out. And then the camaraderie cohesive advantage would go to the Clippers, which would be strange. But anyways, I'm looking forward to some, uh, to some Raj and Rondo just throwing another wrench into the plans oh, there boy. one oh, more boy. time. <laughs> All right, that game four, obviously, on Monday between those two teams. Okay, let's get to uh, OKC getting their first win here in the playoffs. Uh, three guards there help push the Thunder over the Rockets. 119-107 in overtime. Nice to have a really, really close game. It felt like we had had a lot of blowouts over the last couple mm-hmm. days. But this one right down to the wire. A lot to talk about, actually, in this one. Um, so, Trey, get us started. What's your first takeaway from the Thunder win? Well, you mentioned it. The guards were great. The Thunder played this one perfectly. 29 for Dennis Schroeder, 26 for Dennis, uh, Dennis Paul, <laughs> and 23 for Dennis Gilgis Alexander as well. And, you know, also Dennis Gallinari got to 20 points. Yeah. I thought the Thunder just played this one perfectly, keeping it close. They were the ones to hit first, so they didn't have to be playing catch-up for the entirety of the game because that's where things are really going to be the problem for the Thunder. They just can't score uh, as quickly as the Rockets can when the Rockets are really hitting. But I do think when we're when we're looking back at this series, if OKC is able to make this a comeback, the Rockets are going to really be kicking themselves for losing this game because it felt to me like they took up their foot off the gas there at the end. They got up five with about two minutes left. There was a big Jeff Green dunk. They were still up five with a minute left, and it seemed like uh, Houston was pretty much just willing to trade buckets down yes. the stretch, but... Then somebody steps out of bounds. Then you miss a free throw. The next thing you know, you're there's a kick out to Shea in the corner. Money three. Chris Paul barely misses a layup. Harden oh. fouls out. And suddenly, 
the Rockets are like, uh-oh. Yeah. Chris Paul catches fire in OT. I don't know. I thought like the Rockets should have won that game. OKC really pulled it out. They played 48 minutes, actually 53 minutes, and it felt like uh, Houston played 47 because they thought they had the win, and they probably should have had the win. So, you know, OKC now just down 2-1. Could be 2-2 after 4 could have been a 3-0 series, no doubt, for Houston. So if this turns a little more competitive, if OKC is able to pull off the comeback, we're going to look back at that last minute of Game 3. Oh, absolutely. They were doing the classic, like, anything but a 3. Anything mm-hmm. but a 3. And so the Thunder just kept, all right, we'll just take this easy layup, like, very quickly. That's okay. Okay, we'll score on the other end. And you, and you uh, broke it down there perfectly, Trey. That's exactly what I thought, too. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And then we had some shenanigans at the end there, too, with the... Uh, the Harden and Chris Paul task, the double flop at the end of regulation. At least, in my opinion, both those guys trying to, you know, uh, ref bait, uh, do that, do the action there where they're going to, like, lock up with the guy and then flop away. And they both basically did it. Um, and in the end, I guess the Rockets kept the ball in that possession. And then then, then there was more shenanigans where, what, you know, the Thunder ended up getting it back. But my goodness, that was insane. And then, yeah, the crazy uh, potential game winner from Chris Paul there, flipping it over his head. The thing nearly drops. There was a lot going on here. And I would even add to what Trey was talking about. Billy Donovan, I thought, tried to give the game away when he took out Dort, um, who was doing a fantastic job. He took him out for a couple of minutes there. Harden set up Jeff Green for a three. Harden went right through Schroeder for a easy, like, easy drive in a bucket. And I'm like, oh, my God, what are you doing, Donovan? He got him back in there, and Dort did a phenomenal job for the most part on, uh, on Harden. But what do you think of this? you agree with what Trey's saying there? If this becomes competitive, the, the Rockets are going to be looking back at this one going, what did we do? Just such a fun seven minutes. You mentioned the Chris Paul and James Harden trying to draw a foul on each other as they look like they were dancing while someone was trying to inbound the ball. They're hugging each other, getting real, real close. I thought everything was finally right in the world in 2020 when those two dudes are hugging and trying to draw a foul. It was absolutely perfect. Those, those five seconds in the universe of 2020, I thought were perfect. I agree that it was it was it felt like the Rockets of the last few years they were playing not to lose rather than to win. When mm-hmm. James Harden uh, had the ball there, they were up three points, uh, and they got the ball after a Chris Paul layup about fifty seconds left, and James Harden was just dribbling up the shot clock. They weren't playing to win the game; they were just mm-hmm. playing to hopefully we'll hang on to this thing yeah. and and we'll we'll take a shot at the thirty second mark, and maybe it'll go in and we'll be up five. It's just it wasn't logical sense that that was that was exactly like the last few years when people would rip the Houston Rockets and say what the heck are you doing stuff like that and and listen I think Harden yeah he drove through Schroeder there as you mentioned there Skeets and he found his way in the second half uh, but a lot of possessions he would not find his way for the first 18 or 19 seconds in the second half when it's winning time and he would just say hey you take it. Hey, you, Jeff Green, you take it. And sometimes Jeff Green would pay it off. Or, hey, you, Daniel House, take it at the end of the shot clocks. It just wasn't good basketball. And uh, I, you know, the fact that the OKC didn't romp them is a great sign for the Rockets. They're still playing hard defense. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. the, the OKC just, just managed to pull this out. Uh, so, sure, uh, it would have been great for the Rockets to, to pull this thing out. Uh, but uh, I think... I think they still have the advantage despite, yeah, you mentioned all the guards. That's that's the big thing for OKC here in this game. This is the number one takeaway for me is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 
uh, or hold, what'd you call them? What did you call all Dennis. of them? They're, they're, they're all Dennis's. Dennis's. Yeah. All Dennis's or Dan's. All Dan's or Dennis's. <laughs> Dave's or Dan's. That's that's the old starters. Dan's or Dave's. Dave's or Dennis's. Now everybody's just a Dennis. Dennis Gallinari. No, the, the guards. Shea, uh, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder all decided after we have some ball movement, we can find the, the matchup that we want with this switching defense. And we can find a big... Uh, a big like the guys that um, the Rockets play at their three, four, five, like Covington or Jeff Green, or you know, even if you get James Harden, they can blow by him because there's not really uh, a shot blocker back there. No. They're going to collapse, and they were, and they're going to leave Lou Dort open or somebody open. But but those guys should have a lot of space out there, and I think that's what they realized. They realized, hey, they're they're really loading up on the ball. Let's move this thing and get by them. So the guards. The guards understood what they can do, and now we got a series. Now this should be fun. Man, Lou Dort. This is uh, he's getting getting a lot of buzz right now for Lou Dort and the job he did. Again, phenomenal job he did on at least slowing Harden down. They, these two going at it are like that famous like slow motion clip of uh, two Rams like butting heads. You know the clip I'm talking about? Like that, these guys are just built like Mack trucks, and uh, like they don't really budge each other. It's really, really fun to watch. But he did great job. Harden fouls out in overtime. You said it there, Trey. And then you know that, and he fouled out when the Rockets failed to get a, a defensive rebound. That's actually what happened on that play. Mm-hmm. And then Dort grabbed another offensive rebound with like 3:30 to go in overtime, and that led to the Chris Paul three. And yeah, he was on fire. So Dort was a game changer in this one to the point where, like, I know Royce Young, who obviously is a, a fantastic OKC reporter, beat reporter, he's wondering here within this game in this series now. Does Donovan have the decision, you know, does he go with his preferred closing lineup, which was statistically the best in the NBA season, or does he have to make room for Dort in this lineup and either bench Gallinari or bench Adams? And I think the answer is you got to bench Adams here, who has not given them a ton, in my opinion. And you put Gallinari at the five, you've got your defensive stopper in Dort. Yeah, they're going to leave him. You're going to hope he can maybe hit one or two threes. And you just got a little bit more room to operate there. What do you, what do you think with that decision for that Donovan's got to make here, not only in that game in Game 3, but moving forward? It's time for the Dort report. Uh, <laughs> that's what I think. We saw the last minute of that game. You know, Steven Adams went out with a, an injury and had to move uh, yep. Gallinari up to the 5, and they played that last minute and then into overtime uh, with Gallinari at the 5. And I think that that just makes a little bit more sense playing against this Houston Rockets team because... Adams isn't going to punish them for playing small. He'll, he might hurt you on the offensive glass a little bit, but we know the post-ups aren't going to be the way for OKC to win this thing. So I think you're going to see a little bit more Danilo at the five because Billy Donovan said afterwards that Adams could have come back in in overtime, right? But the little guys were playing really well, and it just seems to make more sense uh, if you can stay in that mode where you want to keep the ball moving. That's the big thing for the Thunder is... If you're going to play small, you're playing Rockets basketball to begin right there, but you have to play OKC style. Keep it moving. That's the way to beat the Rockets because if you get into the ISO fest, that's their advantage. Mm -hmm. Mm. Tass, what do you think? Same thing? Yeah, totally. Uh, I I like the the idea of the the two rhinos going at it as much as possible (laughs) Uh, and and James Harden and and Lou Dort and whether or not they they morph from – the two rhinos going at it to two hippos flicking their poop when they're trying to uh, defend their territory. <laughs> That's one of my favorite YouTube clips is when hippos uh, are having a bowel movement and they flick it with their tail. That's it's definitely... <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that, obviously. And I, I actually was at the zoo with my wife and I, and I made a joke about that. And she said, That's a rhino. Rhinos don't do that. 
we're looking at a rhino rather than a hippo. Only hippos do that. Oh, right. And me. I was talking about rams, but you also then Holy rhinos. Really? Yeah, you got yeah, you got rhino on the brain. Oh, all rhinos. All rhinos. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dan's are rhinos and rhino. I'll stop. All Dennis's are rhinos and all rams are <laughs> Keep track, okay? Uh, yeah, I, I, that is definitely, it's a fun matchup to watch those two guys at it. So as much dort as we can get out there. I had flashbacks of Dante Exum with the Utah Jazz when the last couple playoffs, uh, they they threw Dante Exum out there to be their James Harden stopper. It obviously didn't work, but he's got the body type, and those those three pointers will go down. They'll, yeah. they'll go down eventually. There there are some bad chucks. Some some are you know wide left, but uh, you got to trust them. And then I thought, why not Andre Robertson a little bit? I mean, he can't really hang out with James Harden, uh, but Andre Robertson is on on that bench ready to. Knock down a triple, perhaps. Perhaps, you know, he's, he's a capable guy and he's a very good defensive player and he's back from injury. But uh, there's some options now for Billy Donovan and, and they've found their way. But yeah, they're probably going to go small. I agree. I think so. At least we got a bit of a series here now. I mean, if the Rockets pulled that out, we're looking at a potential another sweep. But, you know, we're going to have some more games. It's always great for the NBA fans out there. So whether or not the Harden, you know, Harden just lights Dort up in game four or they suddenly can't miss the three, I think that's still in play. Yeah, because like... Like they could fall into their trap of like, oh, you want now you're going small like us. Oh, oh, you're, you're we're just gonna have a three point contest now. We're gonna beat you at that. So, at least that was exciting that the Thunder pulled it out in overtime. Chris Paul took over. You know, despite punching guys in the balls, incidentally, he says, and the double flop. I mean, I loved having Doris Burke on the call when the when the double flop was happening. And if you go back and watch it, and I and this was happening in real time for me, you could see both guys getting ready to pull off the shenanigans like the flopping the like trying to again draw the ref into thinking like they got pushed or pulled or whatever like you can just see it going through their eyes like here we go here we go the ball hasn't been inbounded yet i'm gonna lock up and then i'm gonna flop and they like both basically did it but doris burke was uh it was nice to have her at least like calling it out to some extent that you know i mean i think she was more i guess she was coming to the defense of chris paul a little bit more right she was saying harden um was really engaging in the lockup, but they both, both blatantly were trying to uh, screw the referees there. Should have just been called double fouls. That's why we have double fouls, even though everybody hates that too. <laughs> that, that Nobody wants been... a double foul called until it's the perfect time. Yeah, I mean, that's you gotta... Also great having Doris Burke on the call because apparently she was doing the broadcast when uh, Chris Paul punched Julius Hodge in yeah. the nuts, you know, like 15 years ago. I'll always remember that clip and it was almost exactly the same as this one. With, uh, who did he get this time in the Hibberts? Not uh, Lloyd, ben McLemore. Uh, ben McLemore, right? Yeah. The Bens, yeah. Um, this one looked a little bit more incidental, yeah. but when you got the rep, man, uh, your reputation is tainted. Didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, when he did that to Julius Hodges, he hit a game winner, I think, that game, too. Could I, be. I think, and then, you know, he obviously almost had the game winner in this one. Again, that little flip over his headshot and, and was pretty instrumental in overtime. Yeah, so that really gets Chris Paul going. He just got... Touch somebody guy punches in the nuts too much. Yeah, check the too manscaping. Much nuts yeah, no, pretty, pretty <laughs> crazy. And he would have definitely got a lot of flack if the OKC didn't pull this out because of that shot over his head. It was bonkers. <laughs> I mean, I think he was just sort of caught mid. Do I pass it to somebody? Is there somebody cutting? Uh, or maybe he didn't even look for the reverse off the glass. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't go with the glass. That part was strange. I mean, he had, I mean, that's a makeable layup for an NBA player. Oh, yeah, like, of e- course. Even the little flip over the head. I, mean, 100%. I know it's unorthodox, but yeah. 
hundred percent. Yeah, and he just he was fresh off of playing horse three times on ESPN. <laughs> Did he go to the finals? I don't know. Uh, maybe not three times, but uh, yeah, that was definitely makeable. But it was it was just strange. He would have got a lot of the oh, Chris Paul ain't clutch flack if right. uh, if if they go down three zero after that. But uh, he had a great game. Uh, he was dominant and. Uh, Got his boys going again. So now we've got a series. We definitely have a great series coming. All right, let's go to the Eastern Conference here. The Greek Freak leads the efficient Bucks to the 121-107 route over the Magic. This was the first game of the day on Saturday. And it was over in a hurry. Giannis, 35-11-7, Tass. Uh, he was pretty dominant. It was fantastic. I think the the moment that he was the most excited though was when Chris Middleton hit a shot. He was so <laughs> yep. pumped. He was he was so animated for Chris Middleton hitting one single shot in game three of round one. Why? Because he knows he needs Chris Middleton desperately. I think he's he's well aware that Chris Middleton's gotta step up and this was obviously his first good game of the uh, the postseason so yep. far. Chris Middleton was feeling it. Uh, 17 big ones. Not quite the 35 you were looking for in your bet with We'll Lee get Dallas there. Skates. We'll get there. I still got games. He's still, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yep. There still will be games. But at least he was forcing it a little bit. I'm very concerned about everybody uh, behind Giannis in this uh, in this hierarchy on the Milwaukee Bucks because it's question mark after question mark after question mark. I know it's feels a little wrong to be questioning Chris Middleton as an all-star who was 50-40-90, but his playoff resume is not match does it just does not match that regular season resume which he has so i'm looking forward to round two because this baby is done we had a great game one little surprise there with uh orlando and they definitely hit some threes here in in this game uh, from dj augustine and from terrence ross but um it's strange it's strange to see this magic defense which is really good get spanked by this uh this Milwaukee offense uh, because Orlando, that's what they hang their hat on. Steve Clifford has built a really good defense, but um, when Chris Middleton wants to step up, when Giannis really forces it and, and uh, has a bit of opening because Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are, are being a little bit more aggressive then that wall starts to break down a little bit. And so he can get through, uh, he can be dominant as he said, Skeets. And then the shots come raining down on a magic defense. That was pretty good all year. Yeah, in Clifford's uh, defense of his defense, too. I mean, no Isaac, no Aaron Gordon, no even Michael Carter-Williams. I mean, they're missing some of their best defensive players. Alfarouk Aminu. So. I forgot that guy Alfarouk- was even the magic. Right, right. Great call. So that's, that's a lot of uh, wingspan right there that you're yep. taking off the floor. So that's always going to be tough. But, yeah, I was happy this one was over early. I got some uh, you know house chores done yesterday. I was up on the roof, guys. Cleaning my gutters after it was 70-43 to 43 at the half. Now the Magic made it a little closer. Um, and we had the fun scuffle between uh, James Ennis and Marvin Williams both getting ejected. But uh, this one was a... Uh, if you're going to have a blowout, have it early on the Saturday so I can get something done. And I clean those gutters. <laughs> Guys, I got a ladder. I forgot to tell you. I bought a ladder. So uh, we're all good. I bought How'd a big ladder. home? Uh, I didn't... I got it delivered. <laughs> nice. Delivery ladder. But it's one of these beautiful... I think it's called a gorilla ladder. Shout out to somebody on Twitter that told me about it. It's like, you know, it's one of these fold-up ones um, that you can fold a million different ways. It's pretty cool. You can, like, do it on the stairs. You can do, like, 90-degree one way if you need to. And then you can just straight up do, like, 18-foot extension ladder to get up on the roof. So it's perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I thought, 
Uh, actually, I heard about the Gorilla products, I think, during a Phoenix broadcast during the uh, seeding games. I think that one the of the play-by-play or the color guy, yeah, you'd think it had something to do with the mascot, but it didn't. They're, I think one of the play-by-play guys said something like, oh, just slap some Gorilla glue on that and you'll be fine. That's one of their products, I guess. They do everything, these Gorillas. Well, that's what I was going to ask. They do. I know Gorilla glue. I have that. And now oh, they're dude. making ladders, too? <laughs> These Crazy guys do stuff. everything. They've got a doctor who majors in gorilla farts. Oh, get out of <laughs> They've here. They've covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they got a mascot for an NBA team, man. What can't yeah. they do? They're all related. Uh, very comfortable on that roof there, Skeets. Any fears? <laughs> any fears no. as you got up there on that ladder? I know if Lee was here, he'd be extremely worried about you. He'd say, are you okay? Did, yeah. you, have, did you have Nora hold that ladder for uh, you? No, I, the only rule we had, well, Nora's rule, but it's fair enough. It's a good rule. She's just... Supervi- supervising from the from the ground, just keeping an eye on what's going on up there, so she no. can watch you fall down when you. No fall. solo yes. ladder. Missions. Hey, look! If you're gonna fall down, at least have somebody there to call, uh, you know, to attend to you or to uh, to call in uh, help. Um, no, no problem. My roof is not steep at all, um, but you know, you get up there and it's like, oh, okay, here we go. Just you gotta get, you gotta find your footing up there. Here you just gotta go. get comfortable. <laughs> you know what? It was more. I just had to figure out what was the best way to get, obviously, close enough to the eaves trough without falling yeah. off the damn roof but then yeah. you could easily scoop things out and once i had that down it was it was smooth sailing though i wore shorts very hot on the roof <laughs> very hot on that the shingles uh, like i had to stop at times because my ass was on fire <laughs> like it was on straight fire because you're sitting on it i didn't yeah. realize that yeah, what about so. the ladder ladder leaning against the gutters or the eaves troughs and just doing it that's, ins- that that's insane to me because that's what Nora was saying. That's literally insane. First off, way more dangerous because I'm going up and down the ladder a million times. And also, mm-hmm. I don't want my ladder leaning against my eaves troughs. Like, you're going to cool- start doing some damage to them. But you have a cool butt that way. Well, yeah, you would have a cool butt, but uh, <laughs> it was fine. Man, they were clogged. Glad I did that. So uh, thank you to the Milwaukee Bucks for that unbelievable performance so I could get up on my new ladder <laughs> and clean out those eaves troughs. Anything to add here, Trey? No, I was on a boat for this, checking uh, oh, the scores. Wow. I saw 70 to 43. I said, perfect decision to go out here. I will say, though, that um, James Ennis must be very strong because Marvin Williams gave him a hard shove. I feel like James Ennis didn't move at all. Oh, yeah. um, and I would have guessed that Marvin Williams is the stronger of those two. But, you know, you never know anybody's core strength until they're really showcasing it. Okay, okay. here's right. the question, too. Did James Ennis throw a punch? Do you... Do you uh, Consider that a punch. His, uh, you know, his chop down movement. Uh, I mean, it was a punching motion, but there was like three people in between the two of them, and the guy that fell down was Darvin Ham, <laughs> coach for the Magic. So I don't think it's a punch, and I think, uh, I think suspending anybody on the Magic would just be cruel at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. It's in play, Tass, that he could get a game i know bobby marks was uh on twitter very upset with james s what are you doing like you could get suspended a game and like your team is already at a disadvantage you're you're in this series i don't think anybody thinks they're gonna win but like come on james you gotta have a cooler head than that you gotta have a cooler head like darvin ham than that (laughs) very cool head (laughs) ham down goes ham Uh, jose calderon was like no no save that in Uh, I thought the Twitter consensus was, why the heck are you tossing these guys in the first place? Which I was down with. Why are you tossing these guys? It didn't seem like anything anything happened out there. Yeah, there was a couple shoves. uh, Unfortunately, it may factor in that these guys are not so uh, 
prominent players on their teams and that they could be tossed. Uh, but, you know, James Ennis is starting on this team, so yeah. I get what Bobby Marks is saying in terms of their lack of depth right now. Hopefully Aaron Gordon comes back. I don't know his, his status report. But, uh, no, he shouldn't be tossed. Definitely shouldn't be suspended whatsoever. And the, the Twitter consensus, as you said there, uh, Trey, that <clears throat> Marvin Williams was the stronger of the two in the tail of the tape. The old man strength at 35 years old uh, would take James Ennis. But... I, I don't get that. I just don't know why, because he's, uh, he's older. Uh, James Ennis, yeah, as you said, didn't budge. A decade younger or whatever he is. Yeah. And I would take James. I, I, I would take James in this non, <laughs> non-fight fight. Yeah, it, I mean, it, this was one of those weird instances, I think, where actually the referee who's trying to do his job to separate them, Darvin Ham and his head trying to get in there to separate them, like everybody, it actually made it worse, I sort of think. Like, if they were just allowed to sort of like, you know, get in each other's face, but it was like the trying to divide and Marvin was holding on Dennis. And that's why yeah. I think he did the punch chop down and, and uh, definitely separated like a little red Rover there. He broke through. Um, yeah, I just think they, in a weird way, they maybe made it worse. But anyway, we'll see if James Ennis gets a game. I'm doubtful, like Tass said. I mean, they shouldn't even really have been ejected for these exchanging of shoves. Will they get a game or will Ennis get a game? He didn't, he didn't hit the ref, even, you know, incidentally or stuff like that. So I doubt it. I doubt it. I'll throw this in there. People are desperate for some uh, Twitter hot takes. Throw this one out there because okay. it's, it's desperate, very desperate. But Buck's assistant coach, Darvin Ham, as we said, got thrown to the floor. But he is also in contention for many of the coaching jobs that are out there. The Bulls coaching job he's been rumored about, mm-hmm. uh, rumored for. So... Did he do himself a favor by protecting his players? Maybe mm-hmm. Bulls, Bulls, yeah, yeah, players yeah. Are, Bulls players are watching that and saying, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Boylan was a tough guy who loved us, but this guy, he'll, he'll fall to the floor for us. <laughs> yeah. Hire him. Zach Levine loves that. Ask Zach Levine about it. He's going to love that ham move. I buy it. Trey, you yeah. want Darvin Ham coaching the Bulls? <laughs> oh, slice me off some of that ham. I'd be happy if that guy uh, came to Chicago. Uh, though, you know, in the early 1900s, Chicago was known as one of the biggest pork packing plants in the entire world. He's got to be a little nervous about that. <laughs> a pork talk. Hey, man, we're doing it all out here. Yeah, it's, uh, Gutters, it's right. pork. I mean, it's, it's it's Sunday, right? We should it's be frying Sunday. up some frying up some bacon while we do this show, so <laughs> it all makes sense. All right, well, let's get to the final game. Uh, Jimmy Butler scored 27 points. He beat the Pacers. They take the 3-0 series lead. This one might be a wrap. Though Indiana, especially led by Malcolm Brogdon, keeping it close. Uh, Indiana cut the lead to two points like three times in the fourth quarter, but Jimmy Butler and the Heat get it done in the end. They're up 3-0. What do you think, Trey? You want to talk about free throws, talk about Jimmy Butler going to the line 20 times, knocking down 17. You're not going to be able to shoot threes. That's an efficient way to score, and it's a great way to be a closer, as we've seen. But the Heat, at this point, they've got their own big three right now because Jimmy was great. He had uh, that amazing block on TJ Warren. That was some crazy defense that cut off the drive and then get back at the rim. That was awesome. Bam was just consistent all game, 22-11-5. He was scoring all kinds of ways. He's a real fulcrum for them. And Goran Dragic, again, was huge early in this game, finished with five threes. The three of those guys together give the Heat so much versatility and scoring from all three levels. They can all, you know, Bam's not much of a three-point shooter, but he can knock you down a mid-range jumper. He's good inside. Jimmy's at the line. He's inside, and maybe he'll hit you a clutch three. And Dragic has been on fire in the bubble. They're looking like a tough team because you know the defense is going to bring it as well. The shooting has been good. Those three together are balling, and that's why it's looking tough for the Pacers right now. They 
Brogdon was great, but they just don't have enough shot creation. Maybe if Sabonis is able to actually come back and play, which seems like a possibility, uh, it could happen, but maybe they can get a win. But this thing feels like it's over. Yeah, I would add to that, um, you know, the Heat Big Three, as you're calling them, especially when Dragic is FIBA Dragic and he's on fire. It also helps when you can add, it feels like, one guy who's on fire from distance at least one guy. So either Tyler Hero, like it was sort of in Game 3, Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson in Game 2. I mean, you got a flamethrower out there with those three guys too. Uh, and then you can like, you know, decide where you want to go. If it's Kelly Olenek, it's Jay Crowder, like stuff like that. Like, yeah, this this team, I, this is going to be a fun battle against the Bucks too. They're, this is not going to be an easy series by any means for Milwaukee. Um, but... Yeah, Bam coming up with two huge, I thought, late offensive rebounds. Um, like you said, he didn't have like a dominant box score, but he was making those type of plays, those Marcus Smart winning type of plays. Yeah, I felt bad for the Pacers watching this. I mean, they got embarrassed in the first half tasks and then really put up a fight. And your guy, I mean, you again, coming into the series, you said it, like if they are going to have any sort of chance at an upset here or go deep, Brogdon's got to be special. And he was, 34-14. and 14. I just wonder at this point, it sounds insane to say, but I could have been like, would the Pacers almost been better off if Oladipo didn't play? Uh, which sounds crazy, but he hasn't played well. And there was a couple times in this one where he really went for the hero shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Not Tyler Hero, or I guess in a way mm-hmm. Tyler Hero shot. And you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, you don't got to go in. And I get it. You're the star of this team, but Brogdon's actually maybe right now at this point, uh, you know, in this game at least. I thought he just made some weird decisions. Yeah, I I don't disagree with this game. He tried to do a little bit too much. I, I do like the fact that he's out there just more as a yeah. decoy, more of a shot maker because they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, I, you know, I like me some Aaron Holiday. I like me some other Holiday and Justin Holiday. But those guys have to be pretty much catch and shoot type guys if you're going to go pretty far in the playoffs uh I, I i like victor oladipo as a potential a little bit of a spacer but yeah he has to scale it back a little bit for them to be great uh, because he is not he's not himself right now and so yeah i thought he was doing a decent job of that trying to balance that in the seeding games but uh, yeah they're they're lacking a little bit of offensive punch uh and so i was fine with him playing uh but uh Broggy Brock did absolutely everything he could. I think it was on TJ Warren, really, to come up with some fourth-quarter plays mm-hmm. uh, because they're playing Brogdon Oladipo, Justin Holiday, TJ Warren, and Miles Turner. They need TJ Warren offensively, and he wasn't there. And so yeah, they fought, um, but I, I, this may be the problem. Uh, Nate McMillan, after the game, said, we're down 3-0. It's winner go home, as I told you guys. You're not dead. We're not dead. We showed the second half that we're capable of doing, but we've got to put together that type of intensity, that type of belief for 40 minutes. It's a 48-minute game. That's, <laughs> I, get, that's I get what he's saying, tough. but yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that's what happened to the Pacers. They thought they were playing a FIBA game. They're only playing 40 minutes. That's why they lost. Uh, no. Uh, listen, I, I, they, they don't have the offensive firepower that the, the Heat have. It, it's simple as that, I think. And, and I'm a huge Goran Dragic fan. And it feels like we haven't had a, a real Goran Dragic postseason moment forever. I mean, really since he was a Phoenix Sun where he was really playing to his capability. So uh, this is this is awesome to see him have a lot uh, on his shoulders. And uh, I thought, speaking of Nate McMillan, I thought the game may have turned in late in the third quarter because I've never seen this before because this is the, the first year of the coach's challenge. But it, it hasn't happened like this where... Uh, 
Pacers' Miles Turner called for a foul. The refs are going to see if it's a hostile act. They go check that, and then Nate McMillan says, you know what? I want a challenge on the foul call. Right. And they overturn the foul call. The call is on Kelly Olynyk instead. And so, obviously, no hostile act because there's no even call on, on Miles Turner. I thought, end of the third quarter, what a move! That could change the momentum. And it looked good for a while, but, uh, yeah, the, the Pacers, uh, they can't score against that heat defense. It's just too freaking good. Yeah, if, if Sabonis is playing in this series, it is. I mean, it's a, to me, it's like a seven-game series. I really think the Pacers are that good when he's out there. But it's just... Uh, it's just it's unfair without him, and I don't think he's playing. I mean, I know you threw that in there, um, Trey. I know he's. It sounds like he's come to the bubble. He's around. But I think he's just come for support. I mean, a little too late, <laughs> maybe, maybe at this point. But I, I highly, highly doubt. I think it was Woj saying it's very, very unlikely he's actually going to play. He's been suffering from plantar fasciitis, and he's been that's what he's been dealing with and rehabbing. And he hasn't even played ball. I think in like what they say, like six weeks or mm-hmm. something like that. It's a long time. And now you're down three zero, and it's like it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. He's just there to maybe get a little fishing trip in and uh, hang out with the guys in the arcade room and they <laughs> all part ways for a couple of months. But it sucks. It just sucks for them. Um, the other thing rare, I mean, you said that overturned call there, Tass. Another thing that was rare in this game, Miles Turner going glass on the corner three with six minutes to go. It was a big shot. Shout out to Chris Weber for call- for calling that one in real time. Um, I thought it looked funky too when watching. I was like, what the hell happened there? That ball, it just looked like it took a weird trajectory and then I think Weber was like I think that hit the glass and then they did the slow-mo replay and I was like yep that was Michael Jordan going baseline glass there but uh, his came a little too late against the 95 Raptors right 95-96 that Raptors <laughs> remember that shot of course I remember that shot after the buzzer the inaugural yeah. Raptors getting a win over the 72-10 and 10 Chicago Bulls what uh, an old March victory again we said it yesterday a lot of shots going off the side of the glass. I know that wasn't off the side of the glass, but yesterday I think we were clean, though. I don't think we had any side glasses, like guys from the corner <laughs> right. banging home threes. I guess because they weren't giving Danny Green the ball. Oh, man, why am I ripping Danny Green oh. again? Not so nice. Not so nice. Uh, that was strange. Chris Weber was on it. And those guys, all the commentators, doing a good job. Doing a good job. Day in and day out. They all have back to 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 back jumping around series. <laughs> I think they're jumping around series too, if I'm I not think mistaken. So. Uh, good job. A lot of a lot of research being done. A lot of work being done. Happy for everybody doing their work down there in the bubble. Um, I think it was. Uh, it may have been Jared Wade, who is a Pacers fan. He's a disgruntled Pacers fan right now. If you follow him on Twitter, but uh, he is a Pacers fan nonetheless. Oh, he's pissed. Yeah, this could be. It might be because we're looking at a <laughs> we're looking at a sweep here. This could be the third time in four years that Nate McMillan gets swept uh, in the playoffs. I think he has a three and fifteen record right now in the playoffs. Well, yeah, and. I'm not putting it all on Nate. He obviously gets this team to play really well in the regular season. Yeah, does he struggle maybe in playoff series? He's at a disadvantage with the no Sabonis, so that's tough. And and Oladipo, you know, playing at whatever percentage he's playing at health wise, seventy percent, sixty percent, he even yeah. knows. But and, and no good. Oladipo in 2018. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's, it's, or is it it's, last year? Sorry, last year, last year. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But, but still. the Pacers kind of had to expect it a little bit, right? Because yeah. they gave him that extension for just a year. Because coming into the bubble, Nate McMillan's job status was a question, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they gave him that one year basically saying, oh, we know it's going to be tough. Oladipo, not 100%. Sabonis, we'll see if he comes back. We know your team is missing two All-Stars. You're probably not going to do your best down here. So we'll run it back next season. 
I would assume that they wouldn't have gotten swept if they had uh, Oladipo and Sabonis playing at full strength. Yeah, but no, uh, way. no way. That's that's why you give them the one-year contract. But I guess we'll have these conversations again next season, right? I mean, that's going to be the question. Is Nate McMillan the coach for the Pacers? He seems to be a guy who can take your team from out of the playoffs to a solid playoff contending team. Does he take you to the next level? We shall see. At least he'll have a fully healthy team to give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. All right. Do you guys think this is over um, on Monday? Do you, do you think the Pacers have you know a little fight left in them? Uh, or is this a sweep? I think they have a lot of fight left in them. I don't think it's a... It's not a given. Uh, they definitely lack that fourth quarter ability to score against a Heat team when they turn it up. Uh, so it'll be... I think it'll be a close game. Trey? I would take the Heat. They have looked pretty solid uh, so far in the playoffs, and it's just the talent discrepancy right now for Miami is such <laughs> so huge. Uh, so, yeah, the Pacers are going to fight and scrap. They've been playing hard this entire series, but I do think the Heat are just a lot better right now. Yeah, I sort of tend to agree with that. All right, we got a little news here. Uh, Toronto's Nick Nurse, he wins the 2019-20 NBA Coach of the Year Award. Yes, yes, Nurse received 90 first place votes from a panel of approximately 100 sports writers and broadcasters. He is the first coach to be selected as coach of the year in both the NBA and the NBA G League. And a pretty cool moment, Tass, on TNT of how they awarded Nick Nurse the uh, the actual trophy and what they did for him. Yeah, Nick Nurse uh, talked to uh, Eric Kareen of The Athletic about that, about the process of just going on TV. He was being asked by the Raptors PR person, hey, come do an interview with TNT and he was debating it. I mean, I'm mid-series. Do I have to go on and, and, and talk to these guys? And, and somehow uh, she convinced them to go on. And he had no idea what was happening, that his high school coach would come on and basically uh, present the award to him. That was have, amazing. Have, have a little speech. Yeah, he got choked up. And uh, then his players, and Kyle Lowry, the first one to, to hand him the trophy. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, an awesome moment. And uh, I, I think... Uh, you know, sort of as a a bigger idea, like that was a, that was a shock to us. It was, uh, yeah, it was just something that isn't done at all anymore because of the NBA awards show. And I know jobs are going to be a changed period for a lot of people out there. And I'm not sure how it's going to change the NBA product on the court. I don't think we're going to have a a neutral site playoff tournament by any means. But mm-hmm. this could be something that uh, they put forth in the future why have an nba award show when i think these moments get more social engagement like that Hmm. on twitter was better if you somehow you get a great pr person you do all that work behind the scenes to surprise somebody with that uh like they surprised nick nurse and and what a journey he's had and eric korean wrote about that incredible journey but i would just say this moment yeah, I think it gained more traction than a lot of the things get at the award show. And you don't have to put together a ginormous production for it. Uh, and so, yeah, why the heck not? I think it makes uh, it makes sense to that this would change. And last note, congrats to Nick Nurse. You deserve yeah. it, man. Yeah, well deserved. Anything to add, Trey? No. He's uh, the coach of the year. We all thought he was going to be, and it's good to see that he actually won the one that really matters. You know, he didn't win the Golden Globes coach of the year, but he did win the Oscar coach of the year. <laughs> so that's true. And uh, and that's truly what people remember. It's the Oscar wins, not the Glo- Golden Globe <laughs> wins. That's uh, that's just the way it is. All right, well, let's, uh, let's spin into Tweet of the Night because I got a little bit more about that. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. 
Yeah, Tweet of the Night. It's actually Tweets of the Night, but from the same person, and it has to do with Nick Nurse and has to do with Eric Kareen from The Athletic, Raptors beat reporter. Uh, he tweeted, Nick Nurse said his second time in England, he thought about quitting. He went to the hotel, wrote four things he might like to do instead of coaching. He said, quote, it looked like absolute shit to me. <laughs> I don't know if I remember all of them. One was like, go back and run a recreation center type place <laughs> as a director. Uh, one was, I think, real estate. One was an accounting degree. That one really looked bad to me. <laughs> so uh, Nick Nurse was, yeah, making a list once upon a time. Like, oh, if I'm not going to be a coach, uh, what else could I do? And uh, luckily, he's stuck with uh, pursuing his dream of being a, a, an NBA head coach. And again, like I said, won, a, won an award in the G League and has won awards overseas and, and now has the uh, coach of the year in the NBA. Yeah, he probably be a pretty good accountant. Not to stereotype him, <laughs> but he looks like, like if it was Nick Nurse accountant. Nick Nurse took his GMAT. I think he'd uh, he'd rock it. I think he'd be pretty good at it. But uh, yeah, I think Eric Kareen also went into in in depth into that article about uh, Nick Nurse and having all these quote unquote backwater jobs where he tried a bunch of random stuff yep. on, on the defensive end, and then that empowered him to try things like the boxing one in the finals and everything he's trying now. So. All those jobs and the fact that uh, Masai Ujiri went from coach of the year and Dwayne Casey and was comfortable enough to hire Nick Nurse, who didn't have a, any, you know, a, a storied or, or a, a reputation that anybody really knew about. It kind of came out of nowhere for people who you know don't know the coaching scene in the NBA. Shows up, boom, tries all these things in year one and now year two. So he's uh, he's got it going on. And I didn't realize he was coach of the year in the the D slash G League. So that's. Uh, <laughs> He can do it all, man. I'm sure he can do some accounting as well. Yeah, that's why you mentioned all that experimentation. That's why I think he would be a great rec center director. Imagine the programs this guy yeah. could come up with. You know, like a, a box in one. You go to camp for four days a week, and then on the fifth day, you go for a field trip. <laughs> <laughs> the guy can do it all. Congrats to Nick Nurse, and uh, congrats to the Raptors on that. Uh, that uh, you know, what, what, It's his award, but it really is a team and an organizational award, no doubt. All right, let's get to game of the day. We got four on task. This could be our second last day of quadruple action you know we know we're getting four tomorrow but we have uh, the potential of some of these series ending today yeah we have two teams that are up 3-0 today philly and boston of course and toronto and brooklyn as we said there uh so those could be done those definitely could be done and mm-hmm. then you got a denver utah series uh the late one on, on tnt with the jazz up 2-1 uh, but of course as the game that's got the most prominent spot here on ABC, the classic 3.30. John Tesh used to be playing the piano before this, I, I, I do believe, right? I, or was that, that was the NBA on NBC. Oh, man, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I get my BCs mixed up all the time. 3.30, Clippers, Dallas. Will Luka Doncic play? He's a game-time decision. Left ankle injury. You'd assume yeah. that he would play because he came out and was limping all through the you know, through the, the on the ramp there and, and came back to play two days ago, uh, I, I would assume that he would play. And he mentioned that it's a good thing that this wasn't my right ankle because I hurt that earlier in the season twice and that would have lingering effects. But now it's a different ankle. And if you're listening to this as the game is on or, you know, after the game has begun, hopefully Luca came out there and had a good one. You'd assume that he's, uh, he's tough enough to... Uh, and, and and the injury isn't bad enough, as Rick Carla said, that the injury isn't 
isn't uh, debilitating or there's no, wasn't anything alarming on that MRI was the exact verbiage. So hopefully he's out there playing. Yeah, I would expect him to play in this, at least to give it a go, right? Um, and, and put some pressure on it and see if it actually hurts or, or if he's fine once the adrenaline kicks in. I, I think he'll play. And uh, yeah, that one's on ABC. You just reminded me, watching last night's game on ABC, this pissed me off for some reason. <laughs> so the game's on ABC, Lakers-Blazers, and then they do the thing, right? I think a lot of it was in this two-box situation where it's like, uh, it's like one of those quick little NBA ads, right? Playoff <laughs> ads. And then it says, you know, Tomorrow, Sunday, has the two games that are on ABC. Those flash up first, and it has the little ABC icon next to it. So you know it's on ABC. You know it's on the network. And then it flashes up the final two games of the night, right? Those ones you mentioned. But it doesn't put up the TNT logo. Yeah. That angers me. Come on. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We're watching ABC. We can't know that they're on TNT. It's <laughs> so strange to me. You don't see that often. Did you catch that, Tess? Oh, you better believe I caught I that. I knew you would catch What's that. What's with the network wars? Yeah. Come on. Your BC is my BC. Your TNT is my TNT. <laughs> Let's promote the game. Right. Let's not like, promote the game. When I'm watching the playoffs, I don't need an ad that's telling me to watch the playoffs. Oh, uh, well, that's a... I don't mind that ad, though. I, actually, I don't mind it. We've seen it a million times by now, but I don't mind it. Uh, for me, I'm like, give me the full screen basketball. I'm going to tune in to watch basketball. I know uh, when the basketball is on. They usually time it during a free throw, and you're like, getting a close-up I gotta of see the, I got to see the mechanics. Yeah, I can't really, see the flips from really that far away. Over here, for sure. All right. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, we got, we got games on ABC today. We got games on TNT. We'll be back on Monday to recap them all. Keep your emails coming in, your questions and your comments to nodunks at theathletic.com. Grab yourself some No Dunks merch over at nodunks.com. And if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, do us a solid, guys. Please leave your boys a five-star rating and review. Like I said, Lily should be back on Monday if that stone ever stops skipping or skimming, depending <laughs> where you are in the world. All right, Clip, skip it. Keep it skipping. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. In honor of Lee, I'll just laugh at the Clipper Bros. Thanks for joining us, and remember. (laughs) (laughs) He does love that clip. (laughs) I love seeing that guy. Embrace the day, people.